0: Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling along with many others that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects, and even more so the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on The Ledge of Web3. My name is Chris Harper, and this is another episode of The Ledge. I'm here with digital artist, Raven. Welcome to the show, Raven. How are you, man? Doing
1: great. Thanks for having me on. I'm really uh, excited to uh, chat.
0: Yeah, me too. I've been looking forward to talking to you since we met at the Moonbirds party in Miami, at Art Basel.
1: That's right. Yeah, we did. It was uh, it was quite the experience. I always, um, you know, uh, Maggie Richmond, who runs the events for Proof, she always does such a great job of uh, of getting it just kind of you know the little details in the events, right, and the uh, signage and everything down to the drink choices and things like that. And I just think she's amazing with as far as event planning goes. So uh, I think you'll agree.
0: (laughs) I do agree. It was a great party, man. And I had a few minutes to talk to Maggie actually in person and uh, she's a firecracker, man. What a nice, you know, everybody that works at proof is really great, man. For sure. Yeah.
1: It's a great team. So.
0: Tell me your, tell me your name, age, where you're from, where you live. I know you go by a pseudonym. You can tell me your real name or if you want to, or if not, it doesn't matter.
1: So yeah, in the web three space, I just go by Raven. Um, I grew up in Cranston, Rhode Island, um, uh, here in the Northeast in the U S um, I'm still in, I'm in Massachusetts now. So not too far away, um, in new England, um, Yeah, and and, uh, went to school for economics and uh, learned to code towards kind of the end of my college uh, career. Um, And also, you know, I grew up, uh, I had a grandfather that was a commercial artist. So before um, kind of they had the Photoshop days and things like that, they actually had to do some physical Drawing or a lithograph or, or some kind of manual process to create ads. So yeah. that's what he did. Was he would you know create ads for different businesses and then run them down to the the newspaper in Rhode Island and and deliver it and they would actually make it into the you know uh, the next day's news or, or things like that. So, but he also on the side was was very doing sculpture and painting and all kinds of different art forms. So I was exposed to that fortunately at an early age. So, um, you know, I, I had kind of the, the seeds going early on with, you know, technology and, um, and also with, uh, art. So, uh, and those combined kind of later into what is now, you know, my generative art practice. So
0: how, how old are you Raven?
1: I'm uh, 34.
0: You're 34. So you, you, when you, I mean, you probably were around computers your whole life then I would say. Yes.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely was around computers. I was a big gamer growing up. So I was, you know, playing games and, and, uh, you know, eventually building kind of buying components to build computers, to do gaming, you know, uh, computers and things like that. Um, and yeah, I was in, you know, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be in uh, at my high school in, in Cranston. A, uh, um, you know, there was a, uh, a, a kind of accelerated program uh, for pre-engineering, which, which uh, in high school, which we, so I end up spending two hours a day there in a public high school, um, you know, learning basically pre-engineering, like a, a mechanical and electrical engineering. Um, which was an um, amazing experience as well. So yeah, I had a lot of. Ex- I was fortunate to have a lot of exposure to technology uh, growing up. You know,
0: were you good at school? Were you good? Did you did you like school?
1: Oh no, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> it may sound like I was good at school, but I was very good in in pre engineering. I always had A's in in the stuff that I wanted to do. I, I was very right good. <laughs> and the stuff I didn't want to do, I was not that good at. <laughs> Definitely wasn't a straight A student, you know.
0: <laughs> you told me what your grandfather did. What were you what were your parents? What did your parents do? Yeah, so my
1: my dad is in uh, both both my parents are in um uh advertising. Like well they're in cable, you know, like like traditional right. uh TV. My mom was on the marketing side of the the house and then, you know, my dad was in, in uh in kind of advertising sales and and things like that. So,
0: um,
1: yeah, they both were in communications, I guess.
0: This grandfather that you were around, were you around him a lot as a kid?
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, yes, he was, uh, yeah, he, he, he passed away in probably I think around 10 years ago. So, you know, into my twenties. So I had, uh, you know, a lot of exposure. So do you feel like
0: you had had a big influence on you becoming an artist as a
1: Definitely. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I think it was, um, you know, I, I guess I didn't realize how influential it was till later, but for sure, like, um, definitely when I think back, you know, it's, uh, kind of just his personality was very artistic of a personality. He was always joking. He was always, um, you know, kind of, you know, doing silly things, which, which art is really, that's what it is. You know, it's, it's, yeah it's that sublime, you know, it's, it's that sublime layer of uh, kind of, of, of knowledge or whatever you want to call it that, you know, breaks us out of this, you know, just the everyday, you know. Um, and that's kind of what all art is, whether it's, you know, music or theater or, or uh, generative art, or painting, it's, it's breaking us out of that day to day monotony, you know. So, um,
0: that's what he did.
1: That's what he did really well. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, when, you, when you were talking about him working in media pre-computers, man, can you imagine, like, uh, <laughs> how hard it would be to be in media pre-computers where you got to, like, produce like, something daily or even weekly? Like, I mean, you're just talking about an astronomical amount of effort. Yeah, it's just <laughs>
1: a completely different experience. And actually having to, you know, now you just, like, fire off an email or something right. with your files right over. Like, actually having to, like, drive down to the uh, – you know, the, the, the paper, right. And, and deliver yeah. it before a deadline. Right.
0: <laughs> My grandfather was an engraver and uh, I remember going to work with him as a kid, man. And like, just to set up the engraving machine, you had to take each letter, you know, every letter had its own little individual piece and you had to put it into this machine. And then, you know, I mean, it was a huge process just to engrave like one little name tag. <laughs> Yeah,
1: now we can move a lot faster, but you yeah. know, maybe maybe some of that art is is, is lost a little bit now. <laughs> yeah.
0: What's your current family lifestyle situation? You live. You said you live in Massachusetts. Yeah, i live in two?
1: Massachusetts. I, I have a, a beautiful wife that I love, and uh, I have a two year old uh, daughter. Oh um, man! So awesome. yeah, so I'm, I have a growing family over here. So
0: you're right, uh, on, which man. is awesome. Yeah. What's your career right now? I mean, you're an artist. Do you? I mean, do you have any other? Um,
1: yeah so I, I actually work at proof you know i'm, I'm yep. on the engineering team at proof so i've been a software engineer you know for since i've been out of college so uh you know we're going on you know what 12 13 years probably uh-huh. um and so i've just always been doing that so and then kind of doing the art on the side um and i've
0: just even got you from economics into coding um
1: <laughs> honestly i mean I, I saw them when my senior year in high school – I mean, not high school, college rather. Um, there was a movie that came out called The Social Network. It was around 2010. I remember. And there was a story about, uh, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Eduardo and Chris Hughes and how they started Facebook in their dorm room. And it was really an eye-opening movie for me because um, up to that point, I just think you, you think of like, oh, the, you just – I kind of thought the only way to go about it is just this, like, you know, you just go to college, you just get a entry level job, you work your way up, you work at the same place for you know twenty years or thirty years rather, then you retire, right? Like, just yeah. kind of. And and I think that that um you know that's that's great, and I think people do that, and that's that's really awesome. But I just thought like that you know I I wanted to do something. Um, not exciting, but I think I think uh, just for me the the ability to do something like that they were able to make something so valuable in their dorm room when they were so young, right? Right. In um, in with com- technology, you know, um, was just amazing uh, to, and it kind of opened my eyes to the power of computing and and what you know you could do if you learn how to code and build websites and things like that. So I just immediately. You know started finding all the information i could um i was fortunate enough to you know uh be able to live with my parents for a couple years and i just you know outside of any work i just kind of locked myself in the room and just learned how to code um and slowly started going to hackathons and things like that on the weekends and meeting professional software engineers and and they kind of helped me mentor me to fill in the gaps of where i was um, missing uh, how'd you teach yourself
0: what'd you use to teach yourself
1: back then I did, I did code Academy, code Academy, you know, that's still around. I, I think, um, I bought books. Like I remember Learn to code by Chris Pine was a, was a book I read. Um, and then the rails book, cause I, I, I learned basically, you know, Ruby on rails primarily. And most of my career up until recently, I have just done Ruby on rails primarily. Um, but there was a, by DHH, who's the kind of creator of Ruby on rails. There's a it's like called Agile. It's like called like Agile. Um, Learn Rails, maybe Agile or something. It's, it's something guess, that's Agile yeah. and Rails in, in yeah. the title. I'm sure if you look those up on Google, it'll come right up. But I'm Sure, I'll um, not too many. Yeah, so there title. was Ag- Agile <laughs> Web Development with Rails. Maybe that's it. Something like that.
0: <laughs> okay. But
1: anyways, um, yeah, one of those kind of books. Uh, I, I just was teaching myself, but it was kind of um, – I think I really started learning once I started going to those hackathons and uh, they had this thing called startup weekend, which was you'd go and you would, you'd pitch an idea and you'd form teams and you would make like almost a prototype in a weekend. And I, I went to a couple of those and like met some really great uh, professional software engineers from, you know, ESPN and some of these big companies and like, you know, just made friends with them ended up going over their house and stuff like that. And we would work on things and, you know, just like that was huge. I think that was a big jump. Is once I started networking and and getting directly mentored by other engineers. You know,
0: yeah, I think you know having exposure to the the people that the right people for stuff like that is probably key. I would say,
1: yeah, for sure. And that's it's it's just uh you know, and anytime anybody asks me, you know, uh like you know, with advice or, or mentorship or things like that, I always am, like want to, you know, help out because, you know, I know that, you know, I was helped out a lot when I was, oh, that's when right. I was learning. So
0: yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Very nice. What about art? When did you start creating art? How were you young or is that something? So like? I
1: started, well, I, it's, it's hard to say because I, I definitely have been doing art in one form or another for a long time. Um, since, you know, I was in, when I was in, um, when Instagram first came out in, uh, you know, college, I really started doing, getting into photography. And I did that for a long time Um, and did photography uh, along with um, I would, I would do photography and then I'd pair it with like different quotes. And I thought like it was like a cool um, just combination. So I was doing that for a long time with photography, just with the iPhone. Um, So, and then a couple years ago I got into generative art um, and started doing that, that stuff. Um, and just, was kind of just, you know, doing generative art, It's just just for fun really. And then, um, you know, just the last couple of years, it's just like exploded with, uh, the ability, uh, you know, art blocks and, uh, the ability to kind of the whole NFT culture oh, around so- generative art. So yeah.
0: Just keep going back to the past. Do you, do you remember the first thing in your life that you, would call art that you created? you remember?
1: It's a good question. I mean, I don't know. Like, um, that's a really good question. I I, I don't remember it specifically. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure when I was a kid, I I, you know, I know it was drawing I mean, I have a vivid memory of uh drawing like it must have been around Halloween time or something like that, but I drew drawing like a haunted house sneak scene. Oh, right <laughs> <laughs> but I have a vivid I don't know how old I was, but I have a vivid memory of uh drawing that and really like drawing the ghosts in the window and all that thing like that. I wish I had that. That would be probably pretty cool to see. That would
0: be pretty cool, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. Imagine you're talking to a room full of people that have no idea what generative art is. Can you, can you kind of walk us through like?
1: Sure. So I think one big misconception with generative art is like, um, it is one thing that it's it's just computers or just code, but that's not actually true. The, the, the history of generative art goes back longer than that. And, and the kind of key thing that makes art generative is it has some sort of generative process behind it. Um, meaning that um, if we talk about, you know, just the kind of using our computers, it could be code, right? Like there is some sort of... Uh, uh, program or something like that, that's programmatic, that steps through different steps that then creates the art. Um, And kind of, you know, that aspect of it being of of using an algorithm to um, use randomness to be passed in um, as an example into a program to then, and, and the artist kind of sets up the constraints of how that, that randomness can be used to make, different art. Um, and it's, you know, you know, it has a history going back, you know, 70 years plus. Um, but it's, it's in the last couple of years, I feel like it's really started to gain because of crypto culture and NFTs, um, and our blocks, you know, just in the technology of the blockchain, it's really started to, to build steam, which is really cool to see.
0: I get like a tingling feeling when I look at those squiggles, you know, yeah. like, and I have like this sense that these things are going to be in like the, the most prestigious art museums in the world in the future. You know, like <laughs> I just I mean, have a weird feeling about that stuff, man. Like it's. Yeah. I mean, I mean,
1: for sure. Um, You know, I think, I don't know if anyone's realized. Uh, I think one day people will definitely realize how much you know uh snowfro you know in the the team the founding team you know of art blocks you know of how um kind of historical the founding of art blocks and and the squiggle project will be um i think it 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 has there's some really interesting things in the history of art you know um, yeah yeah. not only generative art but just digital art in general and the ability that it's brought, the, um, the quality of collectors that it's brought into the space and that are in, um, you know, how it's launched the career of so many artists. Um, I think it's just, it is, uh, I think you can't, I don't think people will be able to deny the historic significance of it, you know, in the future. So I, I agree with you. I think it's, there's, there's a lot pointing to, you know, that, they will continue to be significant.
0: I I fully agree with that, man. And my whole viewpoint on like this whole crypto art movement is that it's going to have a lot of historical significance. You know, I mean, that's like my primary motivation for recording all of you artists. You know, I want to, I'm like recording this hopefully for posterity's sake, man. Like yeah. 50 years from now, when people are listening to this. You know, they're going to, I mean, these, you guys are like the, the, you, you guys, you guys are the spark of this whole movement, you know?
1: Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, it's just, it's in, in, you know, I hope, you know, and I think that some of the structures that this has created, um, which frankly are under threat a little bit is about the royalties and things like that. And the smart contract aspect of that. I think, you know, I think that those things are really special and, um, you know, I I hope they continue in 50 years, like, because I think that, you know, they will lead to much better, um, the system with the royalties baked in, it, it will lead to much better art in the, in the, in the future because, you know, it will actually, um, continue to, uh, encourage artists to go bigger, right? If you have royalties sustaining you, You don't have to worry as much about putting out that next drop. You can delay the next drop and potentially create some, you know, um, you know, something more crazy, right? Some better art than you would if you just have to continuously just rely on primary sales. Um,
0: Great point.
1: um, So I think that that's something that you know, in the history of art, that's never happened. Where you know, there's a baked-in royalty for art artists. You know, usually. You know, the artists are long gone before, you know, their, their work is, is valuable in, in a lot of cases. So um, the fact that the, the artist and their family can, can benefit from that secondary market activity uh, is really just, I think it's something that's, that's amazing and, and just uh, uh, good for artists, but also good for just the, the quality of art as a whole. So I hope it continues
0: do you have any background in or exposure to like the traditional art world at all? Or are you like all digital? Uh, not
1: really. I mean, I have, I have since entering this space, I have gotten some exposure
0: for sure. Sure, I um, you have.
1: <laughs> Yeah. And just, uh, kind of learning about that space. And I think, you know, I've, I've read books and, you know, the documentary, the price of everything is a, is a good documentary. Um, at Proof, we read the uh, the twelve million dollar stuff Shark, um, which is another great book on the contemporary art market. Okay. Um, uh, so by reading and, and you know doing documentaries, and then also just being exposed through artists um, like Raphael Rosendahl, who who's a friend of mine, who's released things on Art Blocks, but. You know, he's exhibited in the Whitney Museum and just chatting with him about kind of uh, the traditional art world and, and what makes it tick. And, you know, he's an example of someone that, you know, even before NFTs, he was selling web, he was making websites <laughs> and selling those websites that they just had art on them. So it's like a, almost a precursor to NFTs. I don't know if how many people know that, but um, that's something that was really is interesting about him uh is he does have a foot in both traditional art world and this crypto art world and also was doing something very similar to nfts by selling websites before nfts existed
0: oh that's not yeah i have to like to talk about people people should definitely check him out yeah (laughs) yeah
1: for sure but anyways yeah he's he's become a good friend of mine which is is great um but yeah i think i think you know i think the 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 worlds will continue to co mingle. Um, I think crypto art is trending to becoming more relevant in um the traditional art world. And uh so I think, you know, it, it probably will just, you know, we, we may in ten years we may not even have this conversation, right? It, it won't be traditional art and crypto art, it will just be art, you know. So um maybe that's in ten years will that we we won't even make distinctions,
0: right? I hope so, man. I um you know I've told this story a couple of times, but i you know like I went into a local gallery here and I was just kind of joking around with the the gal who was like the gallerist at the time, and I mentioned you know n f t s and I just got like scorched, man, she just like kind of <laughs> ran, me, ran me out of her gallery almost you know, like, yeah, you know. <laughs> like they're they don't like it seems like they don't like you know the way this movement is kind of approaching the traditional art world.
1: I think it's, I think it depends, to be honest, it really depends. I think there's a, there's a divide, right? Like there definitely are collectors that are interested in collecting NFTs. For sure. I think. Um, and you know, the MoMA has said they're going to sell $50 million of traditional art and buy digital art with it. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely positive signs, but yeah, there's definitely holdouts and people that, um, are uh you know in a lot of times if they're not educated potentially like you know i I know uh, kevin rose had uh dimitri cherniak on the podcast recently and it was kind of amazing for him uh to on the proof podcast rather but it was amazing that to just hear that he was in a a group of kind of traditional art collectors and he gave a talk and afterward they approached him and they they said Oh, i didn't even know i thought nfts was just apes and you know uh <laughs> pfps you know like right. they had no concept that there was actual like legitimate art or artists on like making nfts um so there's just sometimes a it's an education problem of of oh nfts are all scams and or they're all you know pfps are just are, are it, it are the only game in town right um so yeah. So I think it's it's um, it's it's a combination of education, you know, just people being more any time you have new technology, people are going to buck against it. A small a subset um, in time, you know, I think it's just as more art comes out and it becomes more culturally relevant. I think, you know, that will come around.
0: What do you think knows. about AI? I'm asking because it's been kind of a hot topic in recent weeks with
1: um, yeah, sure. I, I mean, I'm still like kind of undecided on AI, to be honest with you. Um, I think it's, I guess I'm just philosophically, I'm, I'm skeptical of AI. Like I think, um, I think by the way of, i at least I understand the way these algorithms are made, you know, they, they really can't push the boundaries of art because they're a summation of, past art that we felt was good (laughs) you know but so it's it's kind of like averaging all good art and making new new art on that average but the best art is boundary pushing right it's it changes culture it's not a summation of the past art it's it's um you know it's it's an extension of it and a unique extension of it so i guess i'm just you know maybe maybe humans with the aid of ai maybe able will create some great art but um the a i themselves just typing things in the mid journey or one of these tools I don't know if they're ever gonna create like the most boundary pushing art that is you know um really going to push boundaries you know
0: I dude, I love that, and I'm stealing that quote <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> Go best art that. is boundary pushing and you're absolutely right who do you, who do you think's pushing boundaries in this space right now do you have anybody that um as far as generative artists um yeah
1: it's a good question. Uh, I mean, I mentioned, I mean, oh, this, this ton of artists, I mean, you know, Dimitri Cherniak. I think is, you know, in some of his pieces, uh, I really like the uh, ones that was called a slight, uh, lack of symmetry causes, uh, so much pain. You, people can look that up. Um, I thought that that was like a play on his ringers, uh, kind of series. Um, I thought, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, these are the top names, but Tyler Hobbs, you know, with with, uh, especially incomplete control like that. um, What I loved about it is like, there was a lot of things in incomplete control that maybe like I was talking about the boundaries like that weren't necessarily aesthetically pleasing at first. Um, I had a, a kind of reaction when I looked at it, like, oh, wow, like, this is not Fidenza. This is not like, You know a traditionally aesthetically pleasing piece um there's definitely you know the gold it it doesn't have the golden ratio in it or you know it's like it's 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 i guess i like that you know it's it's something that um like i said before pushes the boundary of of maybe what you think is aesthetically pleasing um and makes you really look at it up close and, and study it and then you start to like come around around it on it like you know like a fine wine or something you know what i mean Agreed, like i
0: agree yeah some of that stuff really takes a little like almost has to grow on you a little bit yeah
1: if it's just like and i mean you know the regular art's cool too like i mean it doesn't have to be so boundary pushing but it's 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 the difference between like you know a pop song versus like something crazy you know like uh some jazz music or something that's you know take some time maybe to appreciate um so uh and i think there's room for both of those it's not that but i think those are two names um um who else uh emily she um you know i think with, is a, yeah, I with it. memories yeah. um i think memories is if I had to call it one project that I think is underrated for sure, it's probably memories. Um, reason I love why.
0: Stuff, it, man. Yeah. I agree. yeah,
1: And I think, I think memories especially is like, you know, it's very hard to pull off, um, something that's cultural and specifically from her culture with the Chinese folklore. Um, you know, it, that is in, in memories. It, she just pulled it off so well like it has that feel completely and for it to be generative art you know and to actually be able to be you know cultural not in that, in that way like no one's done that you know that was the first time someone's done that and i think she did it amazingly um and i think you know the other thing is too is she's she's obviously a, a woman generative artist which is you know a rare thing um you know it kind of, you know, they it just, it's just mostly, you know, men that, that are generative artists, you know, and so for her to be a woman, I think it, it is, it is culturally, is it not culturally significant, but it is significant. Um, uh, so I think that also just, uh, adds, you know, the, adds to the quality of the piece for sure. Um, and, um, yeah, so I think that's a, that's a, uh, um just something that I really like enjoy about it. Like, and I think uh, other artists, you know, that I I think are working in the space. um, I think those are the top three, I would say uh, for me, but there's so many more that like are, I I see on FX hash, like I go on Tenzo sometimes, there's so much good art on there that, (laughs) that, you know, never have done anything on Ethereum or, you know, they, they, they're selling them for a couple bucks, you know, like, and it's, and it's amazing art. So you can find across the entire price range, you can you can uh, find, you know, different, um, you know, great art at any price point, I think it's, which is amazing. And you can view it, you know, you don't actually have to, that's the best thing about crypto or kind of is like, you can view it and you don't have to like go physically get in your car and go to a museum or a gallery or something like that to see all this. All this is just is in front of you, all this art, which is amazing.
0: And now with virtual reality and augmented reality, it's getting even easier and easier. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Walk through galleries and it's, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, I appreciate all that you just said, man, your perspective is very um, relevant and important. I think, you know, especially since you've been at proof, I guess working for proof, you've gotten like a crash course education (laughs) into all of this, like NFT stuff. Like, you know, they're so plugged into what's going on and they're so like, uh, you know, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's
1: just you know that's, that's one the of the good. Yeah, for sure, it's one of the good things working at Proof. You know, we definitely have access to. I mean, everyone that works, you know, is is very plugged in, um, and also has different perspectives. You know, like some people come from more of the 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 PFP side of the house, and some people come from more of the art side of the house, and you know, there's there, there's crossover between that, right? Like, it's not they're not like two sides you know specifically either so it's like we all come from um we we all come i think from different communities and um we're able to bring insights that complement each other which is really great and amazing you know and i think that's just the the moonbird communities in general you know um you know and proof communities like that's what's great is like I, i think there's there's tons of different perspectives inside of those communities and uh and that are coming at it in this space, even different ways, which is great to just have a central point of kind of a nexus point where those communities and different ideas and, and things can meet.
0: I listened to a podcast two days before the raffle for Moonbird spots ended. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll just enter my name into the hat, and I want a Moonbird spot. That's how I got into. It. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> yeah, man, and I've you know, I've held my Moonbird since day one, man. I I, I That's really great. enjoy being in that, uh, in that community, and and participating in their events, and looking forward to the conference. Are you, uh, how, are you looking forward to the proof of conference? Oh yeah, like
1: I, proof of conference is going to be amazing. Um, it's going to be. Um, you know, just the, the, you know, we were talking about Maggie earlier, you know, she's obviously in charge of planning it and it's, you know, it's, and it's no joke, you know, it's going to be a huge conference. Um, But, you know, it's going to be amazing. Like, um, and, you know, in LA, um, kind of, you know, a lot of the crypto companies are out there now. Um, So it's going to be really, really, uh, you know, I think it's going to be well planned, well thought out, everything um, <laughs> you know, down to the smallest detail. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a great time.
0: It seems like up until now, New York's been kind of the epicenter for the NFT community, but it seems like it's m- m- migrating West <laughs> from my view. Yeah. yeah. You There's think a couple happening? companies
1: down in, down right. in LA now. So, um, right on. yeah, um, I think it's a, it's a global thing for sure. It's not necessarily one area or another, but, um, There are a number of crypto companies in L.A. now um, and and there's some in New York as well. So but I think New York and L.A., anywhere in the U.S., you know, at least they're the kind of two hubs.
0: (laughs) Pre-NFTs, did you have any crypto exposure?
1: Um, Different times throughout. Um, But so I bought um, I bought Bitcoin first time for two hundred dollars. I think it was in. Um, 2012, maybe that that range. Yeah, uh, and I sold at four hundred dollars. <laughs> then
0: Graduated. it went up.
1: It went up to you know, I think it went up to a thousand. Then it came yeah. back down to four hundred. Right. I bought again at four hundred, right and I sold at twelve hundred. <laughs> and then I was <laughs> like, I'm out of here. So I, I was in it early, and then I mi- actually um, mined. Like I think because I, I set up a miner for Ethereum. And I think I I mined um, I think about seven Ethereum,
0: nice. um,
1: and it wasn't that hard to do that because Ethereum yeah. was ten dollars. Yeah. Um, so I think I and then I ended up selling for seventy dollars, <laughs> like <in> my, my <laughs> Ethereum.
0: You're killing. So it. I, I just was like, <laughs> yeah,
1: like you know, I just think the whole time I was just I never saw the value of it, like, right. um, which was like when I it, it was kind of like. I just thought it was all speculation, so yeah. I was like, I don't want to know if I want to be in this speculative asset. Like, right. I just am kind of conservative with the with you know. Uh, I don't really own gold or any anything that doesn't yeah. have cash flow. I'm kind of right. like, right. what's the point? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but um, but when I saw you know, I actually was listening to Proof Podcast, you know, in last year, you know, the beginning of the year, um, and Kevin had on the DC, DC investor. And they were started talking about NFTs in art blocks. And it was like, that was the first time I heard about it. Wow. And this was maybe been March or I think March or February of 2021. Um and it just like completely um it just it just like I I just like I remember I was walking around the neighborhood and I just like stopped and I was like, wow, this is amazing. It's like something very this is a very powerful thing. And I immediately went home started collecting art blocks, applied to be an artist on art blocks. Um, And uh, it just completely just like flipped the switch in my mind that I had to, okay, now I see like real utility behind this crypto stuff.
0: I wonder if Kevin knows how many people he's like onboarded into this space that have been walking around in the world that have been like directly affected by listening to his stuff, man. I've, yeah, I'm, I know. Man, like I've, you know, yeah, I'm here because of guys like Kevin. I listen to this podcast and yeah, same, man.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. And, and Tim Ferriss too. A lot, I think a lot of us have, have listened to Tim Ferriss and then you know, you know, learned about Kevin through Tim and, and things like that. I definitely was in that camp. I recently got to meet Tim. Uh, uh, actually, you know, I think it was last month. And Did you go to Marfa? I to yeah, I went to Marfa and I met him there. Yeah, he was there. And um, just got to chat with him for a little bit. And, you know, just to tell him that, you know, it was like, I think it was when I was in college around that social network time that I read the 4-Hour week. That was another big book that was, you know, um, very influential to me um, when I read that. So th- just tell him in person that hey, like this, th- thanks a lot for this book. Cause it's really right like, yeah. just started the, you know, the the kind of chain of events that's leading me to stand next to you and and you know work at proof and be this you know generative artist. So um, it's it's kind of like him and Kevin are both both you know very influential in that way. And I, I think a lot of, you know, and I think they like to hear you know, these stories. So, it, you know, it's good to, good to, if you have a story like that to tell them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's really, that's so, it's so cool, man, to just, you know, see the, the ripples in the pond, man. It's just, you know. Yeah. Cool. It
1: just takes a small, yeah. s- that's a thing. Like I think it's a, and something I try to remember is it sometimes it just takes a very small seed, right. To yeah. that you just plant in, in, you know, if you're, if you're a positive influence and you're putting out, you know, good information and, you know uh just you know talking to people you know you you could just think oh this is just so minor or something like that this bit of information or me talking to this person but it could just start something in someone that's just you know it it turns into a tiny seed but that grows like decades later and does this you know big huge thing you know so it's it's really amazing how the world works that way
0: yeah, I, I recently ran into Beeple at uh, NFT Now and, and um, Art Basel, and yeah. honestly, man, I never heard of an NFT until Beeple had that sale at Christie's. Yeah, and, I remember and, that was.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that was around the same time, and it was it was crazy. Yeah,
0: and I live in Charleston, South Carolina, where Beeple is from, so it was like all in our local news, you know. Yeah. So I was like, you know, it just when I saw that, I was like, what in the hell are they talking about? Like, NFTs? What is it? And I. Ended up on Nifty Gateway and, you know, here I am a couple years later and we're, you know, I'm getting to interview artists and just, you know, it's, it's incredible, man, how just one thing can lead to, you know, all this other stuff. I love that. Definitely. What was the first NFT that you minted? What, what was your first artwork on chain? Ooh,
1: that I, as far as artwork that I've created? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it was so first NFT. Did I do Foundation before? No, I think it was my first Artblocks project. So Moments, okay. which was in oh, wow. uh, September uh, 2021, um, I think that was the first series. So I had a th- there was a thousand twenty four mints of that project on Artblocks. So um and you started
0: right in with Artblocks. You started right away from.
1: Yeah, yeah, I applied to Artblocks Blocks in uh, I want to say maybe you know March or a- or April of twenty twenty one, and then got through the pipeline and got approved. And um, after I'm curious all
0: that, about that, can you walk me through how that all works? And like, sure. How, so I think got all you know, I, yeah. How does that work? Yeah, I
1: mean they had they they had their applications closed for a while, and then they reopened them, and then they just kind of was like you know. Here, share, you know, it was basically share what's what's kind of the theme behind the project. Uh, and then, you know, obviously we, sharing code examples and outputs of the algorithm and things like that. And, uh, you know, they, they were like, um, you know, you could submit for uh, curation status, which I did, but I didn't make it. Uh, so I got in the factory, which is still, you know, it's still an accomplishment, you know, um, but... You know, you you also can submit to the curation board, which you know they're it's they're it's a stacked curation board of really uh, top you know generative art collectors and some artists and even just you know people from the traditional art world as well. Um, you can you can read about the curation board on, on like Art you know website and things like that. Um, and you know, it's it, it's that's a really high bar to to, to pass. But um, fortunately, you know, I, I made. Uh, factory so i was able to release you know my two projects that are released on art blocks you know moments and piece of me um uh through there and you know they both sold out and it's been really um kind of amazing to uh you know talk with collectors and you know just meet them at events and things like that and um and also when i've done like signed prints and stuff they've sent pictures of you know Oh, I have this piece of me in my house, you know, and, and things like that, which is just so special to me to have my artwork, you know, making an impact on people and that, and they, they like it enough to like put it in their house and, and live with it, which is amazing.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. And congratulations to you, man, for, uh, I mean, that is a huge accomplishment. You're so you, you, what, everything that you've done on Artblocks is completely minted out right now.
1: Yeah. So I've done my first two projects, uh, were, you know, one was moments launched in September of 2021 and then uh piece of me, uh, was in December of 2021. So, you know, a year ago, um, and you know, the, and they both minted out. Um, and then I kind of this 2022, I just, um, I kind of hit a creative block to be honest and just like had a really trouble to create things. Um, so it was kind of like, I didn't put much work out at all. I think I put a couple of things on foundation of one-on-ones, some of those sold, uh, but that was probably it. And then, um, uh, and then, but then this month, you know, I, um, you know, last month bright moments approached me and said, Hey, uh, would you like to be artist in residence for December? And it kind of was just, you know, it, it was good timing because I felt like I was coming out of, you know, the, the block creatively. So, um, yeah, so I was able to, to do a project, which is actually minting now. Um, yeah, right? I was
0: going to ask you about that. I, it's like you can mint for people when you're interacting with them. Yeah, so, it, so it's, it's
1: called Color Streams. And it builds on this generative paint uh, texture that I've done in, in moments in Peace and pieces of me. And, um, but it's, it's IRL only, which is kind of the cool thing about Bright Moments, you know, artists in and residents, and all the bright, bright Moments stuff is that, um, so we, you know, I can mint on my phone, but also like around the world, you know, at all Bright Moments events. So they have events in, in Berlin, London, uh, they had one in Paris last week, um, uh, Venice Beach, California, Mexico, New York. Um, all these places, they have events every week. So at any of those events, they, they're minting my project right now, uh, color stream. So, um, which has been amazing. And we had a event last Thursday, actually at, uh, union square ventures in New York. And I actually went and, um, Kind of, uh, it was just great to be with everybody minting live, and you know they have the big screens up, and as soon as your mint your mint comes through, it's right on the screen. And you know, I was taking pictures with collectors and explaining their mints to collectors live, Um, and it was great. You know, Fred Wilson from Union Square Ventures, who's like a legendary venture capitalist, was was there and and hosted us, and he minted one, so I was like, you know, that's it's crazy. that, that was, that was crazy. Cause like, you know, it's, it, it, you know, like a couple years ago I was just doing this stuff for, you know, just for, um, uh, you know, just for fun. Like I never thought this would be anything, you know, would make any money or, or, or gain any significance. And, uh, and then, you know, to have Fred Wilson mint and, you know, it's like, oh, wow. I'm in a collection of a billionaire. That's pretty insane a couple of years later, you know?
0: <laughs> awesome, man.
1: Um, so it's kind of, uh, it's, it's crazy, uh-huh. but, uh, you know, that's, that's the way life works sometimes.
0: So if I wanted to, if I wanted to mint one of those, do I have to attend a bright moments event or do I just like,
1: yeah. So, think? so with this particular project, yeah. It's open edition throughout the rest of the month or the rest of December, um but again, to keep kind of the fun part of this to keep the mint size down is it's IRL only. So yeah, so you have to go to one of those events in those cities. Okay, so
0: this doesn't count as IRL. Me and you looking at each other. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Um, yeah. The the uh, we could talk later, <laughs> but but usually like I, I've been we've been kind of strict with the um, with the minting uh, remotely, just because the the uh, you know that's the whole essence of this is to actually go stand in front of a big screen with other collectors that are at these events um and mint you know in person and see your mint come up on uh the big screen like that and also like it does take a little bit of investment to actually go to an event right especially if you yeah. don't live near there which is yeah. i know i know a lot of people don't live near those major cities um but you know they're still available on secondary you know um yeah. so you can buy on secondary for sure um if you,
0: What's if you the don't ethos of bright city? moments like what what Sure. About that.
1: So yeah. Bright Moments is, you know, they use Artblocks uh, tech Artblocks engine behind the scenes, so it's it's very much on, still on chain like Artblocks is a generative art, which is really cool. Um, but they're they've kind of pioneered this whole in real life minting experience, you know, with their Crypto Citizens PFP project and things like that where and you know, they just came they did Mexico this this fall and they're going to be doing Uh, Tokyo so they're going around the world you know minting these um crypto citizens but also at each one of these these cities they are creating uh kind of uh they're they're inviting the top generative artists in the world um to release projects that are specifically like like the artists are curating even the room that it's minted in right like like what's the furniture in the room what's you know, what's the TV look like? Like all, all the, like the whole experience. So it's so much more than just um, you're at a computer and you're, you know, just, you know, minting, you know, remotely, right? And then it pops yeah. up. It's like, you're going into a room and like you're all five senses, you know, maybe a candles burning, it smells a certain way. So it's a whole curated experience around uh, minting this artwork and viewing this artwork live. Um, yeah. at an event with the artist a lot of times so that's kind of what bright moments is after and what they're um you know what they're they've they've done and like continue to do which is kind of amazing is it's, uh,
0: it is bright moments part of art blocks i'm just I'm no just they're sorry. separate they're separate anything. so bright moments
1: is a separate company and one thing that's cool about bright moments is they're completely uh they're a DAO. they're run by a DAO that's completely completely on chain and our, their crypto citizens um, project, so the PFP project, is the DAO tokens. So um, that's the thing that's kind of just amazing is like um, their comp- all their salaries and everything is paid on chain and everything like that. They're completely transparent. And um, the whole governing structure of the entire organization is run by those crypto citizen tokens. So it's kind of. You know amazing um i don't know other any other projects that have really done that you know it's just kind of um crazy you know
0: yeah no that's uh that's very very cool uh yeah i, I like how to study that a little bit more and learn more about it it's really interesting do you have a team that you work with like art wise for to put out your art do you hope you work with like anybody else
1: nope it's just me for my for, for my artwork um just me, you know. What about um,
0: collaborations? Do you do collaborations with other artists?
1: I haven't done them yet. I mean, I'd be open to it, um, but I haven't yet. Um, so well, maybe in the future, I'm, I'm open to it. But as of right now, you know, it's just me uh, coding away and, uh, you know, doing writing my own algorithms and, and doing everything. So
0: I like to ask people about the hardware that they use. What, what kind of hardware do you work on?
1: Sure, so I use, you know, Mac products pretty much. Um yeah, like, you know, um that's kind of what I got. I got a MacBook Pro, you know, uh Apple uh Studio Display, you know, which is great even though they're a little pricey. Um but uh yeah, and then like like I also have like a an Epson printer and things like that because my last project piece of me I did a lot of sign prints for, so I actually bought my own Epson printer, and I have my, um, you know, all my Hannah mule paper, and I got a whole setup for doing uh, fine art prints here, um, which is pretty amazing. So, like, it's been fun to learn that process of actually like doing fine art prints and, and things like that. So.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of things to learn. <laughs> yeah. You'll learn how to use. I mean, you know, every one of those things you got to learn how to use all of it. I guess. That's...
1: Yeah, for sure. And like, um, you know, software wise, you know, I just I used the the I used to use as far as a code editor, I used to use Vim um, up until recently, but uh, uh, kind of the s- some of the engineers at Proof turned me on to VS Code, and like I haven't looked back. VS Code is actually pretty good for for editing code and, and things like that. It actually has a VIM mode. So it's like, it still gives me kind of those VIM movement commands, but, um, but it's, it has a lot of, a lot of power behind it as far as when I'm developing, either working with my engineering stuff at Proof or, you know, working yeah. on Gen art. so.
0: How'd you end up working at Proof?
1: Yeah. So I just applied. I mean, I, I got into the, you know, I, just because, you know, I said before, you know, I was listening to the podcast with Kevin, you know, I knew I wanted to mint, um, uh, the collective day one. So I did that. So I was in the proof collective, um, still am. Um, and then, you know, because I was an art blocks artist, they gave me the artist role in, inside of proof. Um, so I had kind of an, a proof artist role. Then I was, you know, there, and then they opened up, you know, just engineering spots and, you know, I've been an engineer, like I said, for a long time. So I just applied and I said, you know, this would be a great opportunity to just move full time into kind of Web3 and, and do this NFT stuff. And so I just applied and, you know, um, yeah, like, you know, Ryan, director of engineering, got back to me and said, hey, let's let's put you through the process. So I went through the interview process and uh, started in, in last June. So, um, yeah,
0: you have the freedom to work from anywhere, I guess. huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're pretty flexible on location. We have people from, you know. Around the world, so uh, it's kind of amazing to see. We usually all say GM kind of in the you know our 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 regular chat, and it's it's just it's just amazing to see people all around the world saying it at different times and things like that. Because we really are a fully distributed team around the world, so it's it's really cool.
0: That's cool, and I'm I'm guessing that team's going to get a lot bigger as time goes on because seems like Proof has a lot in the works, man.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I think, I think um, we definitely have a lot of, we're about, you know, uh, 30 people now. Uh, I think wow. that's a really good size for our, yeah. what we're currently doing and what we're trying to do. Yeah. But I think, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, I mean, once, you know, who knows what, how fast we'll grow. Um, but I think right now, at least for what we have to accomplish, I think we're, at, we're actually really good size. Um, awesome. But yeah, a lot of exciting stuff.
0: That's really cool, man. How do you connect with your collectors? How do you, I know you were talking about meeting people in the, these bright moment events, but.
1: Sure. I mean, I, I you know, I, I talk to them a lot on, on Twitter, you know, I have a, a lot of a, a good, I'm always on Twitter. So that's a great place to, to kind of follow me and, and see the updates. Um, and then discord, obviously, whether it's in the proof you know, generative channel I talk with people in or in art blocks, you know, um, just in block talk and, and things like that. Um, I've just, you know, going to a lot of events over the last couple of years, you know, I've met a lot of collectors in person as well. So I just have met made kind of in-person relationships with with them as well. So that's been really good to do.
0: From my perspective, you've been very easy to communicate with on Twitter, which is not the case for everybody. Some people are really difficult to get a hold of. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I know no, Twitter is <laughs> the best place to reach me. I have DMs off, but you know, if you really need to reach me, you know, just ping me or something, and then I'll I'll follow you and we can chat in DMs. But
0: outside of Twitter, do you you do you use any other social media platforms to connect with people? I have
1: I have an Instagram account, but I don't go on it to be honest with you. Like. Sometimes I'll, 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 I'll post it, but it's just like, I don't, I don't know. I don't have that much time to, you know, go on social media. So I'd rather just pick one and do do that well than to try to spread myself thin on, you know, all these platforms. So yeah, Twitter is my main, main one that I go on.
0: I like to ask artists about this royalties debate and you had kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier in our conversation. How do you view this? raging debate on twitter right now about artist royalties
1: yeah i think it's I, I personally think it's it's very important like i said earlier i think it's also something that i think is if you look at a smart contract like a smart contract it's kind of in the contract when you buy an NFT. Um right. so i think it they should be honored um and if i think if people are, don't want to play by royalties and they don't want to pay royalties don't buy NFTs that, that have royalties, right? Um, sure. Think of it like a contract when you're buying an NFT that, okay, when I sell this NFT, I have to take, there's going to be a royalty associated with it. If, if you don't want to buy, you know, if you don't think the art is is valuable enough to have that kind of caveat in it, then don't buy it. You know, um, uh, that's kind of what my argument for it would be, you know?
0: Yeah, I agree with that how do you view like floor prices of your own artwork and valuing your artwork? You, can't, you I mean, it's something,
1: I, you know, I, I look at it from time to time, but it's something that is, yeah. is, is it's out of the artist's control. It's, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of factors to that, you know, yeah, that's, I, I that's agree. not even related to the art, right. It's just the <laughs> overall market and, you sure. know, the price of ETH and, you know, um, there's a lot of factors that come into that. So I think artists just need to guard. Um, and the value of the art is not necessarily the for price, right? Uh, there's, there's more to art than that uh, to the artist personally, and also to the collectors. So um, I don't think you should, we should be as artists, you know, um, should be just, you know, like the thinking that the value of our art is, is just, divisible to the floor price right um i think it's 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 art is much more than that so um i think you know I, my worry is that the, the, you know artists will just they just could could conti- consistently look at their floor, floor price to either validate their art or not and it's right. just you know i think that that's just a bad game to play you know <laughs> like yeah, for sure
0: yeah <laughs> i think it's just interesting to hear what people's perspective on it is you seem to be Uh, you seem to be aligned with most of the people that I talk to.
1: (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, I think there are some artists that are really like, they just talk about their floor price and stuff like that, which I personally don't care for. I I think it's, you know, probably artists should stay out of the floor price discussion, Um, (laughs) or at least they shouldn't care about it as much. Um, They should just be focusing on art and making good art. Um, But, and I think that's the thing too, is like, you know, I think it's, the market is very different than the art. And I think, you know, art can be valuable and not have a high market value or vice versa. That can be high market value art that doesn't, that isn't really that valuable from an artistic point of view. Um, so I think they're separate things completely. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think, you know, they're, they're completely separate and kind of should be viewed separately that yeah. makes sense.
0: Where do you see this space? All. Where do you think things are heading in the next five, 10 years? Do you have any view on the future of the web three world?
1: Well, I think it's definitely going to, if we're going to, if more people are going to become involved in this, I think we need to make the tools much more user-friendly. Um, I think we also need to reestablish trust in the industry, which we, <laughs> you know, um, you know, is, is, is kind of, we're not doing a great job of, um, and not not necessarily you know it's a very small percentage of the community that's responsible for the lack of trust but you know they're high profile members of the community unfortunately um, that get it that are getting the press and eroding the confidence so we need to get the confidence back um, I think we need to um, make the tooling easier for people to onboard um, and I think it's just going to continue to grow uh, as far as ease of use, and then just uh, the impro- interoperability, right, of, of how you can use these art and NFTs and different galleries and different experiences. And that's just going to continue to grow. And I think that's exciting too, right? Because, you know, the more we can do with these NFTs and, and we the more experiences we can have, um, we'll just add value to the entire ecosystem. So I think just the technology is going to continue to improve all that, all
0: that stuff. So one of the big hurdles from my viewpoint is like the wallet and wallet security and just the way all of that works, you know,
1: it's it's kind of
0: diverging when you see people who have been in the space a long time and they're even whales and people that have a lot of experience and their wallets get hacked and they lose NFTs to some, you know, some bad link or bad scam. You know, it's, it seems like that tech, to get and better. then, you know, with the FTX thing, it's like you can't, you,
1: you, you know, but the, the flip side of this is you can't like trust centralized e- exchanges is what that's telling you, right? right. Um, I, I have full confidence kind of in Coinbase and but who knows, you know, if FTX can fail, like, you know, you got to be careful. So it's like that, that that kind of news is forcing people to do self-custody because, you know, that is the most that, that protects you against that centralization risk. But yeah, self-custody is dangerous too if you don't know what you're doing, right? Um, And you're not using a hardware wallet and you're not backing everything up thoughtfully. It takes a lot of work and a lot of knowledge to do that well. You know what I mean? Um, And you're
0: 100% responsible for your own actions in that. Exactly, yeah. So If you screw it up, it's all on you. So I think hopefully there'll be
1: some happy mediums that come out that You know, or or there's some safeguards in these exchanges that allow for custody of NFTs or things like that, but in a way that we can be very highly confident that they are solvent and are, you know, have the right protocols in place, right, to hold these assets in custody for, for clients, right, which is just, but we have a long way to go since with the recent developments, right?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know, man, with the FTX thing in particular, and that's, like, hot in the news right now since Sam Bankman fried went to jail last night. They arrested him yesterday. Yeah. But I, I think, like, the law of unintended consequences, hopefully that will lead to some regulations that they can put on some of these big crypto exchanges that keep them.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, and some people are against regulations. You know, yeah. yeah, I'm actually 100% for um you know, regulation, because I think it will bring, um, it will bring, you know, credibility to the industry, right? It will bring that trust to the the industry. Um, And people will know where the lines are, and what what the law actually is. And that will actually lead to more investment in the, in the uh, kind of just the whole space, because it's, it's, more, it's less gray, right? It's it's more set in stone of, okay, what is the, the law here, right?
0: Sure. I don't think there's any chance of like mainstream adoption to this stuff until they get some regulations on these exchanges. Yeah. yeah and and the exchanges in particular. I was going to ask you, what do you think can be done better in this space?
1: I think it's, you know, I think it's definitely, um, we have to, we have to just like, grow up. (laughs) This is what it is. Like, you know, like, um, I think there's a lot of, you know, especially in the DeFi space and things like that, like these yields that just, I think everyone knew was unsustainable. Um, that, you know, and just the house of cards that developed and locking up liquidity and all these different, it just is, uh, we need to, um, just grow up. And, you know, I think it's, it's just like, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. And, um, we need to move away as a space from these, like, uh, you know, this, this, you know, some degen is okay, but like this, this kind of, you know, degen on tilt of, you know, where it's just complete risk, um, and Ponzi's, you know, we need to like actually get away from that and also like hold the people responsible that are, are doing that right. Um, and find them. So you know, that's, I think that that's where we can definitely improve and and we need to.
0: Cool. Where can I find your stuff? If I wanted to find your collections and find out more about you, where would I look?
1: Sure. So I think the, if you want to see my art, the best place of my two projects to view for moments and pieces of me is just go to artblocks.io and search R4V3N on there. Um, And those will come up and you'll get to see all the um, the outputs and the link to OpenSeaLinks links and, and all that. Um, I also have a collection on Foundation of one of ones uh, that's just if you search R4v3n on Foundation um, you will see uh, some art there. Um, and then uh, on Twitter you know obviously um, uh, R4v3n underscore art, and for my latest project, color streams, um, the best way to just view the outputs is just to go to OpenSea and, and search color streams. You know, R four B three N, and it's a it's a verified collection, so it'll just come right back right up. So,
0: right on. How did you come by the pseudonym Raven?
1: It's a good question. I mean, it, it's it's I I just have always loved uh, you know, bird like you know crows and ravens corvids. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just like very smart birds and I thought they're just, you know, they're very clever and um, not the house we live in now, but the, the previous house I lived in, there was a ton of crows and it was just amazing to, to view them and um, yeah. they would actually, like we had a lot of hawks as well and they would team up and they would chase the hawks away, which was amazing to see. And there'd be like three, like, you know, crows basically chasing a hawk and dive bombing it like while it's flying through their territory. So it was like, it's just amazing uh, how they could coordinate and, you know, and all that kind of thing. So I, I really just, just love those birds. I think they're pretty amazing. And then, you know, obviously my, my name with the four and the three in it is Leet Speak. So that's kind of, you know, it just kind of, uh hacker culture you know of
0: Her. yeah uh, right.
1: so that's kind of how i put it all together for the r4v3n raven uh right on, name.
0: yeah cool thanks is there anything that i didn't ask you that you'd like to say about yourself your art or your vision of the future for this space before we wrap it up
1: i think that's it i think you did we covered a lot of ground and i'm really thankful for you for uh inviting me on and uh and getting to chat with you Um, it's been, it's been great.
0: Yeah. I very much appreciate your time. Thank you so much for, um, for this hour and, uh, look forward to connecting with you more in the future, Raven.
1: For sure. Thanks so much, Chris.
0: Thank you all for listening to another episode of the ledge with me and Raven. This was uh, a great episode. And I'd like to thank Raven for coming on the show. If you like this show, please rate and review me on your favorite podcast platform. And I will leave a link to Raven's socials on a LinkTree link down in the show notes below. You can find me at uh, Twitter at harper underscore underscore Chris or on Instagram at chrisharper.eth. I look forward to connecting with you all next week. Thanks for joining me here on The Ledge.